Welcome along, everybody, to episode number four, season two of For Ref's Sake. Joined once again by Luke Scott. Hello, Luke. Hi, Wayne. Thank you for clipping the clips from last week. It was much appreciated. Not a problem, mate. Thought it was important the listeners understand what we have to put up with on a weekly basis. Yeah, it's true. We have got part two of the Andy Warmer interview this week. Really, really interesting insight to what he has experienced as a match official. We've also got a minute to win it. Can Luke Scott be knocked off the top of the leaderboard? And we'll also be talking about a few controversial decisions that have been happening over the weekend. Controversial in some people's eyes and not in others. So yeah, join us. Uh, it's Tuesday if you're listening to this and I'm hoping that you are enjoying our second season. Don't forget we are on all of the social media channels and we're also on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts and also on Amazon. Give us a rating if you think we're really good and if you don't, don't bother. That would be really, really appreciated. So yeah, we're going to get the show started any second now. So thank you for listening and keep subscribing to all of our channels. We've been putting lots of stuff on Instagram this week and there are a few interesting outcomes which we will talk about very shortly. So Luke, busy all week in the office, I'm assuming? Uh, yeah, yeah, been pretty busy, mate, yeah. Yeah, we've uh, we've kept ourselves busy and obviously uh, certain members of staff being out of the office, whether whether that's through poor performances on this on this podcast in the quiz last week or whether that's down to pre-booked annual leave, I can neither confirm or deny. Good, and um, just to say as well, you've only got four days to work this week. It's um, a bank holiday when you... You know, we record this as I say before. I said before on the Sunday, it's Monday tomorrow, uh, which normally comes after Sunday, to be fair. But um, <laughs> but it's a bank holiday for you. Yeah, and and I suppose this this bank holiday is met with a bit of trepidation from from yourself because obviously it means you're edging ever closer to the end of the summer holiday period. Mate, the next time this podcast gets released after this one, I'll I'll be at work. Well, I won't be at work because it comes out about midnight, which would be a bit weird at the time. To be, <laughs> at work but you know um yeah so it's the last it's gone so quickly as well um you know we've got and a busy september i've got coming up doing a couple of half marathons um and i'm away for a weekend as well so we're trying to factor in this into our podcast schedule you know this is the organic nature of um podcasting as volunteers and what have you because uh we've always got to fit in and most of the time we're all right but we've we've, we've even got uh, interviews in the bank almost haven't we we have this season yeah um which is very surprising for us. It's very surprising. So, um, where shall we start? Let's start with today's game. So Sunday's games when it's when this is recorded, um, and we we saw a couple of decisions in the Newcastle versus Liverpool game. Let's talk about the first one. The first one being the Trent Alexander Arnold non-red card. And the first yellow card. So, what was your take on that? Um, difficult, difficult for me to comment because I was I was coming back from West Lodge Farm uh, when when those those well those decisions happened. Um, but you know, I, I can talk from having listened to it on BBC Radio Five Live, which actually the coverage was pretty poor because they didn't really know what the first caution was for. They suggested that Trent had got caution for being pushed by uh, Alexander, um, not uh, Gordon, uh, whatever his name is, Gordon, um, which obviously that wasn't the case. So uh, I've later I've later established that he was 
he was cautioned for, I believe, holding onto the ball. Uh, I don't know if you saw it and could see, shed yeah. a bit more light on that one. I will do. And I think the person you were thinking of there was James Alexander Gordon, which was kind of a mixture of Trent Alexander um, <laughs> yeah. and um, and Gordon. I can't even remember his first name. <laughs> so clearly uh, no, up we are. <laughs> but anyway, uh, but I I have seen I have seen the the second. Uh, offence which uh, everyone was suggesting is a is a cautionable offence and should have resulted in a second caution um, and I tend to agree that 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 is a cautionable offence yes and I think I think this is probably one of the downsides to this sort of strict approach that we're taking on um, time wasting and and such and and the fact that if we're again like I said I didn't see the original um, Trent caution so I, I can't really comment on that but if if there if there are going to be softer cautions uh, from a perception point of view for those types of offences does it make the referee's job a little bit more difficult in terms of those more um, expected cautions if it's going to be the second caution and result in an early red card um, does that affect the decision making process there um, it's, it's one that we're just going to everyone's going to have to get used to I guess in terms of the players get used to the not to do the time wasting stuff, but also the referees in uh, if they do, and that's their first caution. Gone are the days probably where, as referees, we always uh, hope that that first caution is a is a stone wall so that nobody can complain about the red card when it does come for a second caution. I mean, you've done really well to talk there for about thirty seconds on an incident that you haven't seen. So I'll fill in the blanks for you. So basically, what happened was um, there was a there was a throw in. Um, Alexander Arnold, he kind of gets, I don't want to say shoved because I think shoved is um, more more of a nudge, of a nudge, and he kind of skims or slides across the floor. Now, <clears throat> I can understand why people think it was a foul, and, it, and to be fair, it probably is a foul. Okay, but then what happens then is um, he gets the ball, and he just throw the Newcastle player is going to get the ball. And he picks the ball up and just throws it away, which, you know, it's not um, a surprise then to see he's been cautioned for that. So I had a bit of a, not a an argument with a friend from cricket uh, today about this, and they were, they were blaming people left, right and centre. But, and I said to him, well, whatever the decision, that player, the Liverpool player, a professional footballer, he knows the outcome of what he's going to do if he does it. And he did it. So... You can't argue, you know, no. with the fact that it is a caution. Okay, John Brooks probably made a mistake, um, but still, that doesn't give the the player the um, the right to just throw the ball away. So, you know, it's not hasn't come as a massive shock. So then, the second one, um, I can only assume, and this is, you know, I'm just thinking out loud. It is. He's realised that he's possibly made a mistake for the for the first foul on on Alexander Arnold, um, and then he doesn't want to be seen sending the player off for what you've just said is a a clear cautionable offence. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I think what you've said spot on. Whether whether there was a foul on Trent in the build up to that first instant or not doesn't doesn't mean he can just throw the ball away. And, and if it, if it's as clear cut as that, then yeah, the first caution, absolutely in this day and age is a caution. It might be one that that perhaps in previous seasons we'd expect um, a little bit more management on, particularly in an early stages of the game. But as we all know, and and is is well 
highlighted by the media that that doesn't happen this season that can't happen this season and it's going to be a yellow card so yeah I think probably um, Trent probably should have been sent off um, on the basis that that second one was certainly a cautionable offence Interestingly though on the on the Instagram poll that we put up um, it was about 67 33% um, 67% saying yes it was a caution and uh, a, a few play, a few people um, from who've refereed or refereed at the higher levels of the game not thinking it was a caution. So I'd be interested to know why they think that. Um, moving on now, I don't know if you, obviously you weren't, you weren't watching it, but I watched, I turned it on, um, I was looking after the kids, they're babysitting, you know, do, doing the doing the, uh, the dad thing. Um, and I saw a few, uh, I think it was a message from Cookie saying about Alexander Arnold. So I turned the, Turn the TV on, watch a bit, and just get into half time. And then by that point, um, Virgil, Virgil van Dijk had been sent off as well. Um, now, there was no kind of debate in terms of our viewers on Instagram. We had a 100% success rate of sending Did them we? off. Literally, not one person thought it wasn't a red card. I know Jamie Carragher didn't think it was a red card because he was having a lot of rants yeah. at half time about it. But um, what have you you've seen the incident? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got back. I got back from West Lodge Farm around sort of halfway through the first half. So <clears throat> I have seen that incident, and um, oh, I mean, I don't understand. I don't understand what all the uh, controversy is on on Twitter. Um, it's a it's a foul. It's a red card. It, it, it's a. I mean. Fair play to John Brooks. He's got it right, and I don't want to do him any di- a disservice um, by saying this, but it, it's a relatively straightforward decision. I, I don't get it. I, I, I didn't see Jamie Carragher's run at half time, so I don't know what what he's possibly moaning about. I did see um, Gary Lineker on on Twitter suggesting the fact that um, Trent, um, not Trent, <laughs> Virgil Van Dyke got the ball, um, so it can't possibly be a foul. But I mean, he's he's literally kicked both of. Isaac's Isaac's legs out of the way to get to the ball. So, quite what Gary Lineker's watching, I don't know. And I, maybe you can shed some light on um, Jamie Carragher's frustrations. Uh, I'm, I don't really get that. Yeah. Carragher was just talking about not him, him not having control of the ball. But if he hadn't fouled him, the next stage was to him to have a shot on goal, which is an obvious yeah. goal-scoring opportunity, as we as we both know. Now. I put another one on um, last night with the with the red card. I think it was Warrell for Nottingham Forest, and I know that um, Gary Lineker. I watched Match of the Day last night or some of it, and Lineker was saying that Steve Cooper, who incidentally is the son of Keith Cooper, I think, who used to be a Premiership referee or was a referee at the top level anyway, and they were saying that they're going to they were going to put in an official complaint about Stuart Atwell and, and the team of officials, but the two incidents in that game so the first one was the penalty decision um for Rashford I know I've seen I've seen the Instagram results I know you think it was a penalty um but I put three options on there this is penalty uh a dive or neither which I thought you know I'm going to add that one in because there's obviously contact there was it enough for Mm. him to go and be so theatrical I think the words used on match of the day was he was very clever with it so why why are you thinking it was a penalty? And this also goes back to the thing I said last week with the Liverpool penalty, which I also, you know, which was what some people call a soft penalty, and I said yes last week. So I don't want to contradict myself that that Liverpool was was a penalty. Although I can see why some people 
on the Manchester United one, don't think it was a penalty. What what were your thoughts? Uh, firstly, I, it, it it can't be simulation because there is contact. Um, but yeah, you know, as far as I'm concerned, your simulation's out of the window on that one. I don't think I don't think you could. And I know some people will argue that that Rashford's probably potentially on it on his way down i'm not sure i subscribe to that but i know that will be some some arguments back to that so i I don't think it can i don't think it can be simulation for me the the contact uh i don't know i I don't know who the the forest player is but the the contact from the defenders sort of right i think it's his right thigh when you see it from that angle uh from sort of behind rashford when he's running in that there is clear contact there is clear contact there now it's it's not for me. I don't think it's even a case of one of those examples where it's is the is the contact significant enough for for him to go down. I think the the speed at which he's running and the the point of contact, Rashford's foot is sort of mid running motion and, and is quite high and and that contact to me has nudged Rashford's right foot into his left foot and that's that's what's made him go down. Um, so I, I think I think it's a penalty kick. I, again, I don't. I, I can understand it more. You know, I've said I've said about the old Virgil red card. You know, for me that's Stonewall. There's there's no other option. I, I can understand a little bit of debate around whether whether that should be a penalty kick or not. But for me, there's enough contact there for that to be a penalty. Um, if you don't like the way Rashford's gone about it, fine. But I still think there's enough contact there to justify giving a penalty. Once the once the on-field decision is a penalty, I don't think that's ever going to get overturned. Um, by VAR because there is contact and nobody can deny there's contact. So again, for Forrest to want to put in an official complaint, I, I, I think they're clutching at straws a little bit. It's definitely not a clear and obvious error. It's it, as we always talk about, mate. It's a subjective call, um, and there will be people that listen to this back and go, "Well, no, Luke's called that wrong. Um, Rashford's brought that contact. Fine, but but there is contact. So in in no world is it an obvious mistake that the referee's got wrong. But then. Okay, that's fine. I get that. We'll park that one to one side. And it's one of those. I think as well, if it hadn't been given, I don't think VAR would have got necessarily involved in it. No, I'd agree with that. Yeah. But anyway, let's move. Let's move on to the um the other decision that they're not happy with, with the dog so. Um, so the denial of an obvious goal scoring opportunity, which was, you could argue, has changed changed the the nature of the game. Um. I mean, you know, it's easy to say that because you don't know what's going to happen. But um, looking on our Instagram thing again, uh, we had 43% thinking it was a dog sale, which is interesting, and 57% who didn't. And we're getting, you know, we're getting decent numbers here with, with numbers, but it's also rep- it's still representative of um, of that decision. So you don't think it was a dog sale, I believe. Uh, I'm talking I, about the, the Man United Forest one. Yeah, well, I, you, you I don't do. think it is because you voted no. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm going to explain why. Okay. Um, I I don't think I don't think that's a dogzo outside of the professional game. No, and it, it was a bit of a it was a, I don't know if sometimes if a still image distorts the, the decision, but if you look at the still image and if if you look on our Instagram pages, it, well you won't hear this because it's on Tuesday, but. <laughs> but anyway, um, for me, I agree with you. I don't think it is a dog so, and I'd be interested to see as a put on Instagram whether it will get overturned or not. Um, that, and, and don't get me wrong, mate. I I think in the Premier League that is a, that is denying of an obvious goal scoring. Oh, you think so? 
And again, people will come back to me and say, well, it, there's not one set of laws for the Premier League and another set of laws for outside of it. And I, again, it, I entirely agree with that. But one of the key factors in a denying an obvious goal-scoring opportunity decision is the ability of the players. And the ability of the players in the professional game is actually, I would I would expect that to be a denying obvious goal-scoring opportunity. If you take that down to grassroots level, I think in the professional game, you're more likely to see red cards for further out. As you move as you move down the levels, it's a lot more difficult for you to justify that an obvious goal scoring opportunity is is going to happen next when you're 30, 25 yards out. Um, and and I, I think that plays a part. <laughs> okay, so from as I said, the still is a bit, you know, it can distort things. But do you not think that the ball, the player's not in control of the ball? And do you not think the ball is quite far away from the attacker? So if you're, are you saying to me that if you've got a player for, I don't know, Daventry Town or other teams are available, who's rapid, right? Yeah. You're not, you're still not giving that then? Well, obviously that, that comes into it. So, you know, control of the ball is key, but also if they don't have control of the ball, possibility of them gaining control of the ball. And I think in that, in that example, in the United game yesterday, I, I think the chances are he would have regained possession of that ball if he wasn't fouled. So therefore, if he did regain which I think he was going to, the next thing he was going to do was take a shot. So it's denying obvious goals, goal-scoring opportunity. Now, you, every every situation is unique. If you you know take your Daventry Town example, if you have got a player up top for Daventry who's rapid and you find yourself in that same situation, all of, the, all of those factors are still relevant, but you just have to take into account the ability of those players. Okay. I mean, we, we, we can agree to disagree, which, which is fine. Um, did you watch any of Match of the Day? Last night, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, going back to that Rashford thing, uh, a thought. So when I when I this is this is how prepared we are these days. When I'm watching it, sometimes I'll scribble stuff down, but then the next day I've normally forgotten what it means. But do you think <laughs> that um, I've put down here? Do you think now, genuinely, do you think that players? I'm talking probably about the professional level. Do they practice falling and diving? I think they well. They, I think or they initiate have done. contact. Should we say? I think they have done for a long time. Um, but I also think that what what the general paying public take for granted is the referees probably spend a lot of time um, watching clips back of how players do that to be able to recognise it on the field of play. So you talk about you know leaving a leg, hanging a leg to try and initiate contact. I think the referees now are prepared a lot better to recognise those types of movement and unnatural movements um, that, are, that are specifically designed to try and initiate contact in those areas. Um, and they're getting better at picking up on that as well. Okay, so let's let's move on to something we spoke about last week. So um, I, I believe I upset John Wright last week. I don't know if it was me who upset him or you upset him. I'll take the ball. Well, yeah, I don't think I mentioned him, but um, it might so, have been me. I, I, I'm, I'm relaxed. We don't, we don't, we don't go out to upset people, John. So if we did upset you, um, I'd like to apologise to you because you, are, as I said in my text, you are my second favourite listener after Tony Major, um, and you know we don't want to upset friends of the pod. No, yeah, we've got to keep all the friends we've got. So we, his thoughts were that we, we were a little bit harsh on. Um, the referee for the World Cup final last week. Okay. But I mean, that's fine because, you know, we can accept that. Um, but I did text somebody in the week. I won't mention the name. And I said to them, kind of, um, with all these people in 
on the final. So the 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 on mass um, entourage of officials. We have a referee, assistant referees, obviously for official reserve assistant referee, a video assistant referee, an assistant video assistant referee, an offside video assistant referee, and a SVAR, which I believe is a senior VAR. So there's a lot of people. Wow. Doing this. <laughs> so I just said to them, kind of, what's the, you know, what's the process? What's everyone's jobs, roles, etc. So just a little bit of insight for people. So it says, um, so the offside VAR monitors all offside situations in the game, looks at decisions in the build-up. So if a goal is scored or a penalty is given, that offside VAR will advise if there is an offence in the build-up. They've got all of the technology, the semi-automated stuff, and all that kind of business. Okay. Um, the SVAR um, is the support who oversees all the other VAR movements and decisions, and as I say, in decision-making, but not the final say, they are a backup in case protocol is not followed or something is missed, just another body to get all decisions correct. Um, so I said, them w- with the penalty decision for the handball, why did it take so long? Um, they said, well, possibly just to double-check everything. Um, so I know, you know, he wasn't sure about the delay on the screen because um, he thought the referee might have been asking questions. Um, and then he said that the, the final decision on the screen would have been the referee's but firstly, the VAR have to come and invite them in first. So that's a little bit of an insight of all these different people doing all kind of different roles and stuff. I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, no, definitely. And, uh, you know, I think that those those types of processes don't get enough airtime in the media for, for people to be able to understand them. You know, we still get we still get the comments around, oh, you know, this incident wasn't even checked. Well, that's absolute nonsense every incident is checked you know those guys those guys don't just sit there and then wait for the ref to go oh uh do you mind just double checking that they're they're sat there watching everything that happens and everything that happens will be re-watched and just just double checked whether it instigates a formal var check or not in terms of when the media get a little notification on their screen saying um var var check in progress then not everything meets that threshold but everything is checked by those those people and to make sure that they're happy with with what's been given and still people don't like VAR but anyway so John as I said um I appreciate that you think that we were a bit harsh in the referee last week but um you know just a little bit of process and stuff for you to 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 think about I suppose um which brought me down to um something else I watched the match today last night um what a great beard Ashley Williams has got, by the way. Oh, stunning. I don't think there's enough beards in football. Right. Who do you think? I put this on Facebook a few years ago, about the best the best um, sportsman with a beard. Um, and I, I still go back to Boston. I think Ian Boston was brilliant, probably before your time. But, but also... Well, I was going to say, Mo- Moeen Ali's got a decent one at the minute. Good. Not many football referees or beards in the um, in the top levels of the game. I don't know why that is. Um, also, I noted that Fabio Vieira, um, who I think he plays for Fulham, he's got a goatee. There's not many goatees around these days either. Yeah, I I I have to say I don't know uh, who you're talking about, so I can't I can't possibly offer any insight. <laughs> okay. 
And also, one thing that should be removed from football, so I don't know if there's anything that you'd like to get removed from football, but one thing I think should definitely be removed, and I'm talking about stadium bands here, is grown men, possibly of the overweight variety, who take their shirts off at football matches to reveal their upper torso to the whole of the country. Yeah, plenty of that in the Liverpool game, I don't know. I, I didn't know that. And normally it's Newcastle fans who do it. And on this it occasion, normally, yeah. it was a Liverpool fan. Although um, Nunes, is that the guy who scored the um, two goals? Is that him? Correct, yeah. Yeah, not in my dream team, by the way, but we won't talk about that. Um, he was very um, obviously blowing kisses and stuff to the Newcastle fans, which I thought was quite um, hilarious, to be honest, being a Middlesbrough fan. So there you go. <laughs> So, yeah, so we have got um, Mr. Wilmer. Mr. Wilmer is going to take part in our second uh, interview with him. Um, some very interesting insights. I listened to the first one last week. I listened back to it. Were you um, were you happy with how things went last week? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think Andy uh, Andy's always an interesting character to talk to. Um, yeah, and I think he gave some some good insight. But also, I think there's there's plenty of good stuff to look forward to in, in this week's uh, this week's interview as well. Interestingly, interestingly enough, um, on Tuesday I went to watch Whitworths playing against Rushton and Hyam. Who got a last-minute call up to the game? Have a guess. Andy Warmer. Andy Warmer, and he nah. was very happy with his um, with his food after the game. He had a little chat. Um, we had a little chat, and uh, yeah, it was like a, a podcast reunion. Lovely, lovely. So yeah, let's get over to part number two and let's have a listen to what Andy Warmer's got to say. So stay tuned. So welcome back to part two of For Ref's Sake and we have got part two again. Part two of the Andy Warmer experience. After our interview uh, a little while ago, we've uh, invited Andy back onto the show because we didn't get to the uh, the second part, did we, Luke? We didn't. No, too much to talk about, not enough time. And uh, I did a lot of talking, so I'm happy for you to uh, get involved this time, you know, if you so yeah, wish. Absolutely. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, welcome back, Andy. All good? All good. Still enjoying, um, still enjoying a bit of refereeing here and there? Certainly am, yeah. Yeah, certainly am. So, have you been missing it, you know, since the end of last season, you know, you came back and you've been doing a few Spartan games, I believe. That's and correct. Yeah. Have you been missing, have you been missing the uh, the football? Is that why you came back? Yeah, I think you do, don't you? I think, I think it's, I think it's just built in your culture. You know, you, I think Saturday afternoon, three o'clock kickoffs, uh, it's, it's built into you and uh, it's very difficult to, uh, to, um, move away from that you know the whole aspect of it training the day before doing your game warming down chatting to mates about how the games are gone it's brilliant you know did um did sharon say you've gone to ikea is that what what <laughs> come on andy get in the car we're gonna go get we're gonna go get a new wardrobe yeah <laughs> <laughs> How how have you found the Spartan then, Andy? Getting back getting back to it. Obviously, you you finished the football league uh, championship, and then you've gone straight back into to Spartan step 
step five. Uh, what are you thinking? How are you finding it? Great. Yes. So you've got to be realistic. You know, um, you know, the, the standard of football is the standard of football. I've got no no problem with that. I think the league's very, very well run. I think it's very professional, which which I'm which I think helps. Um, I haven't sinned, sinned anybody yet, but I can, <laughs> I, I can understand why that has been a, a, a an aid. And I think that's I, 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 I don't I presume it's had a very positive uh, response because I haven't had much dissent in in the games that I've had, and, and players are, are reluctant to after they've had a peel and a whinge and a moan, they're reluctant to take it any further. And, and I think that's probably with with the Simbin thing at the, at the back of their minds, you know. We we yeah, spoke yeah. we spoke to me Luke um, in a previous uh, episode. I think it might have been episode one or uh, two. I can't remember now. But um, we spoke. I've got a friend who's a who's a manager of um, Earthchester United, and I asked him what he thought of the referee um, the day before. But he, he said, "I'm sure I'm sure I recognise that referee." And I went, yeah, that's Andy Warmer. He was on the football league for about 300 years. I, went, oh, I told the lads on this. But has anybody actually recognised you and said, oh, you're in the football, weren't you in the football league or anything like that? Or you, have you kept a low profile, which is not like you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, again, I think I've been, yeah, been quite fortunate. Nobody's really, uh, I think a couple of people have said a few bits and pieces. I think you get that more from um, lads uh, who are, uh, on committees of clubs, you know, the, the, than anything else. But again, once the game kicks off, everybody's watching their own team and supporting it. And and until the referee's involved in something which they really have got real strong feelings against, then I think very much you go under the radar, don't you? You know, because it's it's the off-field stuff, isn't it? I mean, we we quite often talk that the the people that are doing the stuff behind the scenes at clubs now were the people that were doing the stuff behind the scenes at clubs when you were refereeing at. Southern League, UCL, and all that kind of stuff. You know that that those types of people just that they're the ones that are going to see the name and go, oh, I remember remember Andy from from however many years ago, and um, you know they probably want to have a little chat and a little catch up. I imagine. Yeah, it's been brilliant. I mean, I haven't I haven't uh, refereed at Desborough Town, but if you you're absolutely right, Luke, because John Lee was secretary of Desborough Town when 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 I was on the UCL, and he's still there now. Isn't he? Yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah, there's you, you do see lots of that, yeah, to be fair. Yeah. I think uh, you see that at most clubs, to be fair. Um, people have been at those clubs for year after year after year. You know, Cucknow was the same, Northampton Spencer was exactly the same as well. Well, in the town, you know, Mick Walton's been around the block a few yeah. times. It's, it's the same, isn't it? Um, so when we finished our last uh part one, we I think we got to the point where you were um, you'd been demoted from the conference, you got back on the conference. Then you, yeah. Premier League linesman, I managed to um, get the year at North, uh, Northampton, not Northampton, Middlesbrough. <laughs> I'm sure I'm a true allegiance here now. Um, Middlesbrough won the, uh, the the biggest trophy in English football um, against Bolton, 1-0. A, a debatable penalty was scored. Bolo Zenden was his name. Just trying to dig myself out here. Um, so when did you get to Football League referee? Yeah, uh it was oh four oh five. Yeah. So, um, in those days, you would have. What was the process? Because the Premier League was in. Was it you would be refereeing what would be called now a Championship League One and League Two? Were you on all three leagues at that point? Yeah. What they did was, uh, you were. 
when, when you, you got your promotion, you, you went with the first year referees and they basically outlined what games you'd be getting. Uh, I, I ended, I did do two games in the championship that season. They just said if things went well, you'd get a couple of games and we would, we would work with you on that basis. And just like uh, football is today, uh, there, you have lads who adapt to levels easier than others. For me, the, the adaption was, was easy because I've, I've been on the league, I've been on the, uh, the league 10 seasons as, as an assistant at that stage uh, and that's a long while uh, a lot of experience and obviously um, makes makes a huge difference so a, a common uh, a common complaint of level four officials uh, of the current batch would be sort of the the split between referee number of games as a referee and number of games as an assistant how how did that look on a monthly basis in your calendar, if you if you're juggling Premier League lines and and Football League middles at the same time. Yeah, I mean, again, I'll, I'll go back to what, what I said probably in, in part one. If if you if you got an understanding family and you're prepared to work, and that's not easy, just say to say to people go and work part time because of, of financial commitments and whatever. Always looking the fact I was available all the while. And, and that so therefore the split for me was 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 a fairly even split. Now if you're not available for certain Saturdays, and I could understand that, then that might be when when particular fixtures fall. So you can end up, you know, not refereeing for for a long while or not running the line for a long while simply uh, for for outside factors. Yeah, definitely. And that so were you were you observed on every single game? Yeah, uh, yeah, you were. Yeah, you observed on all those, but not every uh, football combination game. So, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, the likes of Arsenal reserves, for instance, uh, two o'clock on a Tuesday, not always. Uh, yeah. But for, for every uh, conference game, you were. Yeah. Because I think that's the frustration with referees or level fours in particular at the minute. You know, they're doing, they'll do one middle at the start of the month. They'll get, they'll get observed on that. And then yeah. they could be going sort of six, seven weeks just because they're doing line, 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 line. And then six or seven weeks later, they get appointed to a middle and then an observer pops up on that one as well. And then suddenly it's been that long since your last refereed. It's almost like you've had a had your summer break again, isn't it? It's, it's, it's difficult for them to get back into the swing of it and get that good mark that they need to get themselves up the merit table. Very, I've got a lot of sympathy for the lads there. Very difficult because there's a lot of other permutations come into play there that they could have not refereed as you say for for five or six weeks and can end up refereeing the same team that they you know <laughs> that they've just done you yeah because yeah. the officer's not he has to try and work with that it's very difficult I've got a lot of sympathy there for the lads really have put you into silence there luke for a second i thought you'd um, i thought you'd fallen asleep or something well, no, I thought you were moving to the mic, so I, I left <laughs> It was. <laughs> Seamless, this is. So, <clears throat> amazing career in the Football League as a referee. Um, Thank you. I mean, it is, isn't it? Not just because you're here. We've, we've said this, you know, many no, times. So. I've, I've, I've had some very kind words, uh, you know, uh, when I retired, and I really appreciate the people that have took time to, to send those out. Thank you. You must have had... And I know Joe's into refereeing now as well. You must have had, you know, amazing support from your your wife in particular, 
unless you want to get rid of your food, you know, every Saturday afternoon. But, you know, the amount of, if you're working full time um, and refereeing, that must have taken up a lot of your, of your own time. How, how do you manage all that? Yeah, I think you, I think you just got to use, use what you got. So what we, what we tried to do was uh, when there isn't so many fixtures around like international breaks, when there's not a big uh, draw on officials, then that's the time to uh, have a little bit of a break and, and and pencil those dates in, you know, and uh, that's probably e- easier, easier again, easier said than done, and it depends on on the circumstance, you know. Uh, and I know, um, I know particularly sort of later on in in the in the career, Andy. I, I don't know, I don't know when the FA sort of introduced uh, sort of hotels and things like that, but I know you you were always partial to a sort of taking Sharon with you and and making a bit of a weekend of it. Um, sure. So what? When when did when did the FA start doing that, or the PGMO, whoever it was that brought that in? Yeah, we we when I, I got on the uh, it's about year two thousand. We we got onto the Premier League and uh, as an assistant, and they felt that they wanted the officials taken in um, in a people carrier to games. I think there've been a couple of unsavoury incidents with referees driving out of football grounds and getting harassed, and and they thought that they could. You know, manage it differently, and uh, and because of the meetup times were early, they they thought that the best way around it would be to try and uh, uh, if you're going to use the hotel, you might as well stay there the night before. So that's basically how it sort of came about. We got onto the middle of the football league, and and I, ju- I just got into that habit. And while I was in in those days driving to the games, it's just so much easier uh, when you've to travel overnight the night before um within reason simply because clubs can request an early an early visit from you if if there's a, a pitch problem uh preparation you, you know you can you can drive down the motorway at any stage um m1 trying to get to luton it can take you two hours one day 40 minutes the next and mm. Um, and I think as a referee, I think as an onus on 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 you to to, to be there to oversee um, and manage the event, and uh, and that's probably where it's coming. Yeah, I think it's it's sensible, really, isn't it? Because we were talking about this. I had, at my game on I was four fisher on Tuesday night, Oxford City, and and the two assistants had had come up from Somerset, and it, it took them two two and three quarter hours to get there. And we're just talking about the challenges that 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 provides, you know, in the warm up. Particularly, you got to take things a little bit slower. You got to, you know, give yourself enough time to to loosen off after after spending that amount of time in a car driving. And what what people don't probably think about is, you know, at football league football league level, if you the distances, you know, if you if you've been appointed to Plymouth, you don't want to be driving down there on the morning of, um, worrying about traffic, worrying about what time you're going to get there. You just want to wake up and be be where you need to be, ready to go and just make that whole process a lot easier for you um, so that you can get the best possible performance for the game, really. I fully agree, Luke, I think, you know, and again, I feel sympathy for the lads there who travelled up from Somerset because it's, you know, it's a two-hour, two-and-three-quarter hour and they've got the same journey on the way back. And Yeah, on a Tuesday night as well, you know, it's it's, it's a bit much, isn't it? I mean, did they, um, did they put an, an announcement on the tannoy to get two competent assistants <laughs> On the line, just in case it didn't turn up. You see that thing a couple of weeks ago. I think it was at Portsmouth where um, the assistant got injured. The fourth official took over, 
And then the fourth official was the assistant, also got injured. So they were they were getting people out of the crowd. Was that the nah. same same with you? Like, come on, we can't have Luke Scott back on the line. <laughs> I think I just made it clear to them not to go down because yeah, there'd be no hope. My other concern from that little conversation, Andy, was the fact that you might have been taking Sharon for a, uh, a hotel visit to Luton, which is not you know the most salubrious <laughs> of, uh, of of towns. No. <laughs> <laughs> like I say, there comes there comes, a, there comes a, a bit of a. We always used to say round about eighty, ninety miles. Uh, uh, anything over that, then you start thinking about the logistics of of uh, of overnight. Uh, I mean, if 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 ever Middlesbrough was on the uh, horizon, Andy, I know a, a nice few places in Middlesbrough, which I'm sure you've uh, experienced as well. I believe that's correct. Yeah, we always <laughs> used to like to. Uh, well, we used to like to stay in uh, that lovely village of Yarm, just outside, which I'm sure you know very well. Luke. Very well. Not as we, we, well as I know as them. That lovely, lovely place in Martin, near near the pub, next to the coffee shop. What a place that oh, is! Well, yes, we did have to avoid a couple of places. Red County and one of them. <laughs> So anyway, Andy, we uh, <laughs> let's get back on track uh, and forget about that night um, in Middlesbrough. Um, we talked in the last episode about your interview to Football League, and um, obviously you, you mentioned that you failed one, and then obviously next time around you, you got on. What was the process like for you when the SG2 opportunity came about, and and how did that work from from your perspective when they introduced that that group? Yeah. It, again, it was it was it was meant it was talked about and mentioned uh, for two or three seasons leading up to it. Um, it was well documented within the uh, the football parlours, the refereeing um, talk at the time, and uh, and it was introduced very professionally. I must admit, uh, you uh, the the process was. You, you have had to have refereed a certain amount of championship games. Um, and if you did, you were then invited for uh, for uh, an assessment, uh, f- uh, f- both physically in terms of your capabilities, because they wanted to increase the, the, uh, the fitness levels. Um, rightly so as well, because it, it would be professional. Uh, and therefore, there would be a greater onus on uh, on being uh, just making the the um, the fitness uh, things a little bit a little bit uh, tighter, a little bit harder, times a little bit more uh, difficult. And uh, and then there was obviously the uh, the technical side where they we had several modules which we had to uh, go through. Um, in uh, and and that was done very professionally. It was done at at, at uh, at uh, Warwick University, um, where you were interviewed, uh, you had a role play situation where a manager would come in and, and dispute a decision with you after the game. You had a uh, a, a knowledge a laws based test, but you also had a um, a, a, ba- a test based on on current league regulations and how you would how you would deal with the late arrival of team sheets, how you would cope with a the team arriving late, who would you keep informed? Well, how would you manage particular situations? And, and and it was done very well, to be fair. So I suppose that quite a big quite a big contrast between that original football league interview and and the SG two process. 
Oh, huge. Oh, yeah. Could be, yeah. Com- com- completely different. Yeah. Completely and, different. And I think I think that's important to highlight because um, that's obviously speaking to Ollie uh, in the office about his selection day when he when he um, went for the two A selection day and then obviously the the elite referee development program um, selection day as well and some of the stuff they put him through it, it's it seems like a really uh, thorough but very grueling process from from a referee's point of view and I think that those you know that those processes don't get enough airtime within the referee community never mind the football community because um, anybody who can get through every all of those hoops that they're asking him to jump through on those days and and do it to an adequate standard of in the opinion of the PGMO or, or whoever's running the day um, fair play to him because there's there's a lot of lot of things to do um, and a lot of pressure on on those individuals as well and I think uh, as a refereeing community, we need to understand that it's not a case of it, it's really easy at the top, um, but also as a as a football community, you know the the clubs and the and the teams involved in the championship and and football league need to know what the process is and how difficult it is for referees to move through the ladder nowadays. Absolutely, and I would urge anybody that's going uh, that's involved in a process where that's being decided, you you really do have to. Uh, adapt and you have to really learn and understand uh, as you've just said uh, how how rigorous uh, uh, that process is and, and unlike the original football league interview where as, as I said they may they may have already made their mind up before they're interviewing you uh, this is completely different and unfair play to to lads who have actually even gone on uh, one of these assessment programs because they are extremely difficult. So, I hope you don't mind me asking, but um, there must have been a decision to make about, because you were working, at, you know, until yeah. the last few years of your career, was there a decision to make of leaving your job and, and becoming a full-time referee? How did that work? Yeah, there was, and and, and when, when the application came out, uh, I had to think to myself, you know, how it would work for me and, and how long I thought I could operate. Uh, bearing in mind the, the strict fitness regimes uh, and my age. And I had to really think what would be uh, a period of time that I could say would be successful. It was no point in me. I mean, I was 50 at the time of interview and uh, it was important that I didn't go uh, with the intention of thinking, oh, well, I can probably only do it for two seasons because it wouldn't really be worth worth my while. Um so I, I set a benchmark of five seasons, uh, which I thought would be a, a, a be a good way to sort of conclude my career. You know, there was one or two referees who had gone on to 53, 54. I believed at the time I, I could referee till I was 55. Um, and I uh, set my stall out in terms of fitness, in terms of lifestyle, diet, nutrition. Um, so that I could, I could get five seasons. I was very fortunate uh, that, that I managed to get seven. But and how? How? Sorry, how sorry, sorry, Luke. I've got to ask this question because I forget it. Because your fitness for a fifty-seven-year-old was ridiculous, and it was a common thing, wasn't it, Luke, around the circuit of, you know, there's thirty, forty. What changed from when you were refereeing when you were in your thirties, forties to being able to do that? mid-50s what what was the change 
the change was uh, we were at a, 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 I was on the line in the Premier League at the time, um, round about, I would say, 2001, 2002. Keith Hackett uh, said that uh, he wished to, uh, there was always talk about the age limit being taken out of football and he felt that that 48 49 was 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 something that uh, would be difficult to uh, to stick to you know because of current arbitration at the time within within uh, society age limits and whatever so the the age thing was sort of was stopped Round about the same time as the fitness levels were making it more difficult. So, so but what were your what were your personal changes? Did you see a big? Did you have to change a lot of stuff to be able to be able to? I mean, I'm not being funny. I'm mid forties and I'm looking at you now. and I'm thinking, bloody hell, you can still run around the park. What did you have to change as you got late into the kind of autumn of your career? Should we say? Yeah, you got to you've got to just buy into the into the, the strength and conditioning work you know you it's not just a case of uh uh just uh just doing it thinking oh well i'll uh i can you know get away with it you just have to do all you have to do all that work uh, you have to diet and nutrition is is probably is, is is more important than anything probably yeah. and seeing a lot of um luke scott in the gym at virgin is that yeah was that a motivation yes. Definitely, yeah, because they were in there, him and Rob were in there before me, you know. I, I can assure you that I wasn't giving Andy motivation. Uh, it might have been the other way around. but <laughs> These lads were right on it, you know. Sorry, Luke, I, I know I interrupted you there, but um, if I, I just wanted to get that point out because I'd written it down on my book, my special book. Yeah, no, mine was a very simple question of how close how close were we to a, an eighth season? Was no, it was I mean, it easy easy decision no, or? No, it, it was it the. Uh, the, the sprint times um, had come down from uh, five nine zero to uh, from five nine five to five nine zero, uh, and the uh, the run time uh, was was another second taken off of that. It became fifteen fifteen. Uh, my my personal bests um, for the sprints were were five nine four five nine three. Um, so it was it was it was. It was. It would have not been possible to have to have got under five nine zero, unfortunately. Interestingly, though, right. So I want to make this point to people who listen to this because there is people who listen to this who don't referee and, and things like that. So, um, can you just go through what the fitness test is for that level of football? And I'm just going to shut my kitchen door because the fireworks are going off down the race course and the dog doesn't like it. Right. Well, and I'm and I'm going to go and charge my mobile phone as well. <laughs> this is, this this is what we're talking about. So while you do that, I'm going to close the door. Um, Luke, you just recap on what we've done so far. We'll we'll, we'll be laughing. We'll reconvene in a second. <laughs> okay. Absolute chaos. But so far, enjoying Andy's input. Um, Wayne set us up to find out about the fitness test, which um, I think will be topical because a lot, a lot of people like to criticise um, people's physiques and uh, particularly Premier League referees. But I'm sure um, Andy will touch upon if if there is a difference between SG2 and SG1, what that difference is, and and what those referees have to achieve in terms of their uh, their fitness levels and 
the other there's other requirements alongside it as well which i'm sure andy will touch upon in terms of body fat and things like that um and perhaps how strict and stringent stringently those are those are enforced as well wayne i can see you're back so i'm back so, okay? so before we go back to andy so i think it's in, important that we let people know this stuff so if you get to level four now um the fitness test has changed isn't it so you have to what it's 75 meter runs isn't it and 25 meter recovery how many of those do you have to do at level four yeah it's four 10 laps 10 laps so 40 40 runs and at level three it's the same but smaller. same at different times so what's the timing on that so the you, level three one is you do the 75 meter run in 15 seconds um and the 25 meter recovery in 22 seconds i think yeah but i mean you know small differences anyway but People think oh, that's that sounds easy. It's a bit like the old two thousand seven hundred meter thing where people go, oh, that, "That doesn't sound a lot." But you don't hear a lot now, do you? Of people on social media and stuff complaining about the fitness of referees because it's totally. You look at referees now. I was watching, um, as I said, the Liverpool game last week, and um, Thomas Bramall, um, he's like a he's a mountain. He's like a mountain of a man, isn't he? Like he's got muscles on muscles. Um, I think Andy's back. So, Andy, talk to us about the, um, the SG2 fitness test. I know you said about 5.90 and 15.15. For the, you know, the general layman, what does that mean? Yeah, just to go on what, what Luke said there about the, the, the requirements are a lot uh, a lot more strict now. And uh, the actual test itself is is a 40-metre sprint uh, on done on timing gates. Uh, where you need to be inside, where you need to be under 5.90, basically. Um, How many times do you have to do that? You, you do you do four of those. Right, and then the 15, 15, then, what's that? Uh, yeah, you do you do these four sprints and you have a minute recovery after each sprint. You then have uh, about five minutes and then you go and do the, uh, the 75 metre run in 15 seconds and the 25 metre recovery also in 15 seconds. And you talk about body, Luke, you were talking about body fat, I think, and um, when I was trying to close the kitchen door. Is there a body yeah, fat? Go on. Yeah, just the additional requirement around that, Andy, and, and um, how 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 that's enforced by the powers that be. Yeah, again, it's it's, it's something which which has been around for, for a little while. Uh, I mean, I've got my own sort of thoughts on it. I, would, I think it's something that, unlike normal training i think you've got to buy into the whole aspect of it and it's something that's it's a lifestyle change more than anything else and i think it's not easy for some and i've got a lot of sympathy uh there's a lot of really good referees out there that 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 find that that, that aspect of, of it difficult and, and i've got a lot of sympathy there so what what is the figure is it is it 18 percent? Is, is that right it is and um and and obviously just like with a with a uh the sprint times um, with SG2, I think it's coming down to, to 16 and, and, and eventually 15. And when, and when you're graded and when they do the grading um, that you're tested and, and if you're under, if you're, if you're between um, uh, 11 and uh, I think it's fifth, I think, I think it's between 13 and 15. I think at SG2, you put in like the amber zone, uh, obviously anything over, over 16, 17, you obviously you're in the red zone and that means you're off games. Um, so to even go into the amber zone is, is something which you want to avoid. 
um, and you want to try and stay very much in, in what they call the green zone, um, where you know if you can be under under twelve, then then that, that that's probably where you where you're looking to be, you know. And and then and if you can maintain that, then 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 you, you you're never going to have a problem with it. But but it's not easy. So going back to your point, Wayne, there's there's no surprise that we're seeing the likes of Thomas Brammel with muscles upon muscles because that's that's evidently what the PGMO uh, are trying to achieve and and want want the referees to be doing. I mean, I'm like the perfect fit for that model, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, again, we could talk for another. We could bring a part three in, but we won't. We won't at this point. What I want to finish off with is. Um, We've talked a lot over the last, you know, the two episodes that we've done with you, and we, we appreciate it. Um, question is, career highlights, and if you had your time again, would you do anything different? I don't want to say have you got any regrets because you can't have any regrets if you've refereed at that level for so for so long and, and been successful at it as well. So, career highlights and anything you would have done differently? No, I've just uh, been lucky to have uh, officiated for so long. Uh, I think, in, particularly in the modern era as well, where the, the, you know the, uh, we've seen a transition between you know we spoke about we used to do twelve laps of the track and you know you try and work your way around that. And, but now now there, there is no hiding place, and I've been very fortunate that I've was given a lot of support when I got injured, and I was able to come back from that injury. So I think that was important, and uh, my highlights for me are. Uh, are overcoming injuries and um, uh, been lucky enough to have been on some some big games. But equally, uh, for what I'd term a big game, uh, other people would 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 see it differently, and other people would say, "Well, that was a great game that you're involved in," and I didn't always see it that way. So, from the family point of view, my mum, uh, God God rest her soul, uh, uh, came to. A number of games which I was involved in, and that was very important to me. Um, and my dad is, uh, we still, I still speak to my dad, and he's been to a lot of my games over the years. He can't go to games now, but he went to a lot of football games with me, and he's been into a lot of, um, a lot of fantastic stadiums. My, my wife's also had that, and, and I think that's for me their highlights when you can take your family to to some nice places. Uh, meet some lovely people. I think they're the highlights. And a further highlight, Andy, is that you and I are now the same level of referee, which I'm sure now finally you're in the uh, the same bracket as me and I you. Know. And uh, what could more do you want? Could we, run, could we run the line together somewhere? Oh, that would be amazing. Who, who, would, who would referee? Who would referee? Luke, get this sorted out. Get this I'm, sorted I'm, out. I'm, I'm so busy that, that day. That, that wasn't a request, Wayne. <laughs> oh, <laughs> absolutely. That was, that, was a, that was a could we, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that that could be that could be part three. Part you know. three. We'll, we'll do a game together. <laughs> we out yesterday. We out yesterday, Wayne. I was at Hunstant. No, I wasn't. That's, no, I, I wasn't was at Hunstant yesterday. Uh, hang on a minute. Um, I was. When was it yesterday? I was. Um, what was it yesterday? Oh, I was. I was babysitting yesterday. I couldn't. Yeah, I was babysitting. I'm babysitting most. I'm either, I was either babysitting or running a half marathon or getting ready for a half marathon. Whenever this comes out, um, you know, I can't work out the maths. But Andy, let's get back to get back to business. What an amazing career that you've had, 
Um, absolute, you know, pedest- on that pedestal, Northamptonshire referees, we all look up to you and, and see what you've achieved. And uh, I feel like it's like, <laughs> I feel a bit emotional now. <laughs> no, but seriously, um, <laughs> thanks for joining us, first of all. Uh, thanks for Luke for sorting it out. Um, I'm sure you'll be welcomed at in future episodes of For Ref's Sake. Luke, anything to add to my, uh, it's not like an Oscar speech. Yeah, it was nice. I was just going to invite Andy to the pub on Friday. Well, thanks very much, Luke. And I'll, br- I'll bring those size nines with me, shall I? That oh, yeah, very good. Yeah, yeah, uh, please do. <laughs> size nines? Who, who lent them? Don't worry, I've been having a few boot issues recently. I don't know if you've seen, uh, but Andy's helping me out, that's all. Well, Andy's a size nine. Yeah. Certainly am, mine. Yeah. <laughs> We've got the, me and Andy have got the same size feet. It's oh, nice, my word. And you're about two feet taller than him. Anyway, lads. Same physique as well. We're both in the same body fat camp. <laughs> I wish. Mate, you absolutely destroyed me tonight. I'm not happy about this. Well, yeah, I'm happy about this. Andy, thanks for joining us, mate. It's been brilliant. Thanks again. And uh, I'm sure, um, I mean, the fact that you're a lower level now than your son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. All the best, mate. Brilliant. Thanks for the invitation, lads, and all the very best to you. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Okay, so welcome back to part number three of For Ref's Sake, episode number four. We are bringing back a minute to win it. Despite the debacle, Luke, of last week and your esteemed Northamptonshire FA colleague, Joe England, knowing nothing about England, um, luckily for him, I suppose, he's been off work all week, I believe. Yeah, so he, he could he could hide from the shame. But I, I don't think the shame should be exclusively on him, you know. And uh, our friend and colleague, uh, Ollie Mackey, took the, took the test before the release of the podcast, so on, on the Monday in the office, and he, on, he only got three. Um, so either it was really difficult, mate, or I just work with morons. I know what I think, but um, <laughs> I'll, I'll leave that to the listener's interpretation. Did Ollie Mackie get um, Gareth Southgate? Oh, mate, he struggled. <laughs> <laughs> so we are joined on this um, episode of A Minute to Win It by the one and only previous guest of ours, Harry Price. Good evening, Harry. Hello. Oh, hello. Uh, yeah, you can uh, normally when that question uh, or that statement's made, you respond. Um, were you busy with Pam or something? <laughs> <laughs> Little for F's sake, job. No, luckily, I'm, yeah, luckily I'm uh, not on the bus on the way home this time. I not mean, on the bus. Yeah, I'm at that, home now, so it should be a bit more quieter. That was an interesting, uh, an interesting interview we had last year with um, with all you and Pam as your little sidekick. But anyway, Harry, um, we've. Um, We've invited you on the show to do, obviously, the little quiz. But I understand you had a, an interesting experience yesterday on your National League debut of holding up boards and making cups of tea. Uh, yeah, it was uh, definitely an experience to remember. So just give us, a, give us a quick rundown of what happened, you know, the brief synopsis. You don't have to go through the whole story. Yeah, so it was, um, yeah, as you said, it was my first National League game, um, Ebbs Fleet versus Kidderminster. Um, yeah, re- it was a really good experience. Um, t- yeah, to cut a long story short, in the 30 minutes into the second half, 
Um, the referee uh, has felt a tweak in his calf um, and has said to me um, over the comms that he, you know, he's no, uh, unable to continue. Um, so it basically meant me having to quickly get changed in the tunnel, whipping off a tracksuit and swapping over kits and stuff like that and getting everything jotted down to take over for the rest of the second half and um, the eight minutes that we had to play over time as well. Um, yeah, bit of a nerve-wracking experience, really. So when you say jotting everything down, I'm assuming you had everything jotted down already, Harry, yeah? <laughs> uh, yeah, I did on a, on a bit of card that we get given, but in terms of... Uh, the, the notebook side of things, uh, yeah, mum was completely blank, so I had to borrow his. Ah, <clears throat> good, good swerve on that. I like that. Good <laughs> swerve. So, um, how many people w- were in the crowd? Um, well, if I'm going off uh, Twitter, it's thirteen hundred people. It was. I wonder. I don't know if you ever read the uh, non-league paper, Luke. Um, I probably, I probably wouldn't if I was you, because sometimes it mentions the referee um, from the non-league games. But um, normally they give like a rating out of ten for the referee. Um, I wonder if uh, Pricey got the the rating or old Jamie got the um, the rating for the first seventy-five. Did you have a like a, a stunning fifteen minutes, Pricey? Was that how it, how it went? Well, apparently in the first half, it was a 6 out of 10. And then the last 15 minutes, it was a 10 out of 10. So I don't know what happened there. Didn't think you could um, count up to that number, to be honest. But there we are. Um, anything from you, Leek, on that? Yeah, I've got a few questions. Um, firstly, what, what, was the, what was the process for, for coming on? How did the, how did the communications go? Um, yeah, so we... Well, he, was, he did a sprint down to... Um, to the box and he come over the comms and he said um, he said ha- he said Harry get warm um, I think I've just felt a tweak um, and I was kind of a little bit like you know w- what do I have to do here then because I thought my f- first National League game I thought does he want me to go and warm up with the subs does he want me to just do a couple of stretches where I'm stood um, so I kind of just held off for a minute and then it wasn't till he then uh, like a couple of seconds later he, he'd come back over the comms and he said I'm definitely going to need to come off now. Um, you know, go and warm up down the side and come back, and, and I'll meet you in the middle. Uh, and, and that's what we've done. Um, yeah, went down the tunnel, and it was yeah, quick change of everything over um, because it. Well, some some referees apparently like to have the comms set to you push the button to talk, and some like to have a running commentary, and then you push to silent or something. Yeah. Um, so we had to change all that over. Um, which was a bit of a faff, but um, yeah, we we done it. We did it calmly, and yeah, it was it was uh, it was all good in the end. So just just to clarify, you you popped yourself off down the touchline and did did a little bit of a, a warm up with the subs. <laughs> yeah, well, I, well, I jogged down to the corner flag and and I looked back over and he was already walking over. And I thought, well, I better do a sprint to get back. Oh, I don't know what to do here. I thought, let's get back. I don't know if I was listening to this correctly because I'm trying to watch the athletics at the same time on the telly, but did you say you met him in the middle? Yeah, well, I said, I say the middle. I meant the middle of, in, in the halfway line. Oh, God. Like, <laughs> brilliant. Like, <laughs> the referee stood there in the centre circle. I see what you do. I think I was only joking, mate. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, do, I do have one other question. Um Obviously, one of one of our good friends and colleagues, Rob Evans, was on the game. So I have had a little bit of uh, intelligence and feedback. And um, 
towards the end of the game, you know, last couple of minutes, I believe there was a there was a free kick or a potential free kick in in front of Robin is in his credible area. Um, he's come in over the comms and he said, no, not a foul, not a foul. <laughs> and then a couple of seconds later, you've given the free kick. You've gone right. We're having a free kick. And then <laughs> apparently, uh, well, actually, I'll let you tell the story. What, what what was the what was the thought process there, Pricey, for that that free kick in the last few minutes? Well, it's um. In in terms of probably national league standard, it's not a free kick. But he, yeah, like you say, he come over the comms and he was very very quick to say no, no free kick, no free kick. And I thought I'm having this. I thought this doesn't happen very often. I thought I'm giving a free kick here, and I thought I, I, I put the told the player where to take the ball, and then I thought, hang on a minute, the ref's giving me some vanishing spray here. So I've pulled it out. I've gone bang. I said, you, you're having it there. The wall, I've marched the wall out. I've done a massive strip <laughs> and back again. Stand in there. Keep your arms down. I thought, I'm milking every minute of this. I thought, this doesn't come along very often. The worst thing was, oh, at good. the end of the line, it said HP. <laughs> <laughs> HP was here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've got to take opportunities, don't you, mate? And fair play. Um, yeah, let's give a free kick just so we can use the vanishing spray. <laughs> I was thinking... Um, yeah, it was... It was... <laughs> Probably the, the thought process going back was actually um, Rob Evans is giving that decision, so I'm going yeah. to take over here. <laughs> Rob said no foul, therefore it must be a foul. Yeah, actually, good logic there, Pricey. <laughs> Don't mind that. Um, and final thing, mate. Um, obviously, Observer was in the in the stand as you mentioned. Uh, how, how was he? Um, yeah, he was. Um, he was a decent bloke. He. He, well, he, he tried to crack a, a bit of banter before the game and at, and at full time, considering the circumstances. But, but yeah, when I'd um, when I'd come on, um, we had a we had a penalty claim um, in the first. I think it was first five minutes since I'd coming on, and I um, yeah, I waved it away. That he well, the claim was for a handball in the penalty area. I'd I'd waved it away, um, and he come in basically at full time. He said he agreed with that, um, and he said. You know, obviously, looking, he'll have to look at the footage and stuff because you know we'd thought as a as a group that it had come off the the player's head rather than hit his hit his arm. Um, but yeah, he was happy with that. Um, but yeah, he was all right. To be fair, he he um, yeah, probably one of the better observers I've come across. So KMD correct after only fifteen minutes of refereeing. That's football league material, that mate. Yeah, I know. I said to him, I said, if you want to put in a good word, um, <laughs> did he um, ask you about um, <laughs> penalty decisions and whether it should be a retake or an indirect free kick or a goal or not? Uh, anything about that? No, no, no. no unfortunately, that didn't come. Oh, we won't talk about that then again. Post. We won't talk. But, about funny that enough, that Wayne, uh, he, the only reason he didn't give that penalty <laughs> was because he just wasn't sure what the right restart was if there was any infringement infringements in the penalty kick. And we didn't even um, we didn't even set that one up. That was just natural. <laughs> Anyway, I'll walk we, right into that. Yeah, let's get on with this quiz because you know, this is almost like a double interview week, which, which we used to do at the first. We used to do in the first few episodes of For F's Sake, and then realised that we couldn't um, keep it up of trying to get two guests every week to come on. So it's just a kind of natural, um, natural uh, thing to talk about. You've you've done a big thing, and you know your first national game. You couldn't really make it up. But anyway, you. you you understand the rules of the quiz, I'm assuming. Are you listen, you're a regular listener to um, our episodes. Yep. Good. Um, so there's two categories this week, as as, as per usual. Um, I don't know if you can see them on the screen. One of them is called "In Your Socks," 
and one is every four years. As you know, there'll be a massive siren at the end of this, and I don't know how to turn it down. But anyway, <laughs> here we go. Did a bit of a sound effect there. Did you, did you like that? It's it still loud. Okay, he's still there. Yeah, I'm just going to close that yeah. one up. So um, the category you've got is every four years pricey, which I'm glad you've got because the other category would have um, been slightly easier for you. But let's see how you get on with this. Um, so I'm just going to get my, my music ready because I know everybody likes music. That's at the right uh, sound level, hopefully this week. So um, this is the category, um, Harry. So next year, um, the Summer Olympics will be held in which city? Do you know where it's going to be held next year, Harry? Uh, no idea. Brilliant. So I can see this one's going to go really well. So <laughs> um, well, I'll tell you next year. Do you know where it is, uh, Luke, next year? Not a clue, mate. Oh, goodness, goodness sake. Well, it's going to be held in Paris, which is in France, in case you were wondering. Um, so what I want you to tell me is in which cities have the last 10 Summer Olympic Games been held? And when you hear the music, your time is starting. Off you go. T-minus one minute. Oh, blimey. Um, so d- does France count as, a, as, as one of them? That's not a city, mate, no. T-minus 50 seconds. Uh, we're gonna go for a zero here. Um, you can't get a zero. That's not. Come on. Think where it was in 2012, for instance. You were alive yeah. then. You'll know that one. London. T minus 30 seconds. Think of big cities in the world. You must know where Berlin. it went after London. Berlin. T minus 20 seconds. Stockholm. Uh, ten, nine, eight, Athens, seven, six, five, four, three, two, uh, one, and zero. And what? What was the last one you said? Antwerp. <laughs> Antwerp. Is it, is it Antwerp? That is a city, yeah. <laughs> Um, let me just close it off. Even you seem laughing. Oh, goodness me, what's happening there? Yeah, so, um, I mean, that was interesting. I'd just like to publicly apologise to um, Joe England after mocking him last week. <laughs> that, was a, that was a tough one to be fair. I'm not really ever someone that watches the Olympics. <laughs> yeah, but mate, mate, the fact you were struggling to get London. <laughs> so, on the count back, you got... Two, and I think one of them was a good lucky guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, and the last one was in um, Tokyo. Then we've had Rio, and we've had... Yeah, um, so it went after London, wasn't it? Yeah, London. Before that was Beijing. Um, Athens, which we got. Sydney, oh, which of course, was 96. Yeah. Uh, 92 was at Atlanta. Um then it was Barcelona, Seoul, which is in Korea, South Korea, in 1988. Basically, looking at your face, you're looking very confused. And before that, it was Los <laughs> Angeles. Where did Antwerp come from, by the way? 
I don't know. You just said someone said think of cities, and I just thought, well, I'll just start following this. So, um, a, t- a two out of ten. Um, which well, is... on the pl- on the plus side, I'm still top. Yeah, I'm going to say you, you you gave yourself ten out of ten for your performance on the pitch yesterday, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then you've kind of evened yourself out with two out of ten. Um, this episode. So, Price, thanks for joining us, mate. Um, next time I'm, you know, taking part in the quiz, I won't be calling you. <laughs> <laughs> All the best, mate. Yeah, cheers, guys. Cheers, Price. So we've come to the end of episode number four of For Best Sake. So another interesting chat there with uh, Mr. Andy Wilmer. Always, as I said earlier, always an interesting chat with our mate Andy. The referee and GOAT. Not heard from Dean this week, I hope not not upset him. Uh, Will you say that? He did pop into the office on Friday. Was he not happy? Uh, no, he seemed very happy. Actually, he brought his daughter in. Um, she had a she had a squash. He had a coffee, and um, we had a nice chat. Yeah, is she still refereeing? Oh, not that one. Uh, the younger one. So not ah. old enough to not not old enough to referee yet. Can we d- divulge why it was popping into the office? Was it a reason for this? Um, Ollie seemed to have a bit of his gear. I'm not really sure what it was, um, but you know now they're now they're pals at all these high profile meetings. Uh, that's that's yeah, that's the circles that Ollie works within now. So works in high circles of refereeing, but not very good at quizzes. Is that what we're saying? Oh, mate, absolutely, absolutely zero intelligence outside of refereeing. Yeah. <laughs> what a statement! What a statement! <laughs> So, yeah, an end to episode number four. Next week, we have got another special guest coming up. Um, and I'm sure there'll be more comings and goings in the world of refereeing. Shenanigans of what's happening in games and stuff like that. We didn't even mention the Cobblers today. The Cobblers won. Yeah, uh, Sam Hoskins, once again, for super, the rescue. Super Sammy. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, when you listen to this, Luke will have refereed another game. I'm sure you've got a, he's got a game on Bank Holiday Monday. Um, yeah, it's been an, another interesting episode. So thanks for joining us on our our little podcast. Our podcast is not one of those um, accounts on on Twitter uh, and X or whatever it's called where people are arguing with each other and defending referees to the hill. We we call it we think as it is. I think we're quite fairly, you know, balanced in our views. So hopefully you like that. Um, we're getting lots and lots of interaction on our, you know, our Facebook and particularly our Instagram stuff. So we'll we'll try and um, put more posts on there. But bear in mind that I've got to go back to work soon, so my uh, time is limited. But th- thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll be back again next Tuesday for the next episode, where I can't even remember which number it is, so I'm not going to say. But have a great week, and uh, we'll, we'll speak to you then, Luke. Thanks, everybody. Take care, everybody. Don't forget to subscribe.